first of all, why haven't you read The Witchlands yet? Is this what I'm going to say to you? <laughs> because this is right up your alley. Like, you're reading The Wheel of Time. I know. I'm listening to you talk about this, like, epic fantasy, high fantasy world. I wasn't world. expecting the call out. I feel really <laughs> attached right now. And, like... All right, and welcome to the Book Jar Podcast. My name is Marissa, and I'm here with my best friend, Megan. In this podcast, we talk about book-related news and topics, and we do so on a bi-weekly basis. So, bi-weekly, Megan, how are you today? I don't know why you're bi-weekly, Megan. <laughs> why am I I'm sticking to it. It's because you only see me every couple That's of weeks. That's a lie, too. So don't <laughs> lie to our listeners. That's not a good way to start a podcast. That's true. We actually only see each other when we record this. That's how we're friends. I'm going to stop calling you my best friend then. <gasps> Rude. Just I'm kidding. Just, I'm just kidding. No, we see each other a lot. We have other hobbies together and hang out all the time. I like so, how you said hobbies. Like, it's not just you coming over to talk about books offline. Yeah, I mean, we do that too. But we have <laughs> other things that we partake yeah, in we together. Watch, we watch K-dramas together and play yep. video games together. Yeah. And drink lattes together yep and that's tea. a hobby and yep. tea. yeah it's and it's we fine. we both spend a lot of time just angry at me for buying more books but yeah. also admiring the books yeah we do we do <laughs> we that do admire often <laughs> often we're looking at them right now and it's great yeah but yeah i'm i'm doing fine you're doing fine yeah how about what? you what what oh 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 my goodness change I wasn't ready. there yeah <laughs> i'm doing good i was just gonna ask because I'm all I'm all about the pod here. Yes. What have you been reading? I've been reading. I read two books. Okay. And the first one was Dancing at the Pity Party by Tyler. Bitter. Yeah. So you've been talking about this one for a couple podcasts, I think. Yes. And because you started it almost a month ago, I want to say. I started a while ago and then I stopped because book club was taken precedence because <laughs> which which is like a fun little way to say Marissa made me read something else. Yeah. <laughs> so I had to get through that and it is a graphic novel about this author who lost their mom. Right. And so it's about grief, it's about coping with that and trying to figure out how to live kind of with this like new normal in your right. life i found it personally very validating like i lost my mom so like to me there was a lot of thoughts and feelings that this author was portraying that i was like that's what i felt like those are things that i you know thought in my head and mm -hmm. weren't sure if those were normal or like healthy things to think i think i want to go with i i am a really this is a topic or like a theme with reading books that I feel very passionately about. And it's one of the reasons I read so much poetry because I find poetry mm -hmm. often very validating. But I I think that's why it's important to be so honest yeah. in writing. And it's hard because you want to not admit to certain feelings and thoughts because they're not kind always or they're not safe Mm -hmm. They're very, they feel scary. But beyond that, there's 
like with a with thoughts around grief and stuff there's there's things that you're just like like you said like is this normal Mm -hmm. and it's not so much like it's potentially could still be very unhealthy thought and i'm not saying that but sometimes part of healing is kind of hearing those unhealthy thoughts and receiving them and listening to them as much as you want to just shove them deep down inside and never think about them you have to deal with them Mm -hmm. and like this is one of my favorite things like when a book speaks to me it it's because it's raw like that or it's real or I feel that honesty yeah where I can really feel like an emotional empathy right yeah I don't know if I added to what you were trying to say at all if I just took it in my own direction there. I think, no, like that's definitely, yeah, like my thoughts on it. I found that. That makes me very happy for you also. Like, yeah. I just want to say like, it's very, it can be very hard to read about that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Even if, I, I want to say if you haven't gone through it, but even if you have, or especially if you have, like it can be especially hard on either side of yeah. the fence, right? Because you're kind of being exposed to like very raw emotion but I'm always really happy when people find something that like speaks to them and is helpful Mm -hmm. and I think that's why I liked it because it was like really relatable for me to certain degree and obviously some of it's a little bit different but it was also very like I could give this to someone who may not understand my grief or may maybe their family member or friend lost someone and they just like Mm. don't understand how to like be there for that person and it like had a lot of like insight to what a person who's grieving is going through and thinking and what is like okay these things are okay to say and these things kind of like neglect that grief and like those feelings that we're having right so try to stay away from that if you can yeah like you know like this is just like an example, but being like, oh, like sp- this person has it so much worse. Like just stuff like that. It's like maybe not helpful. <laughs> maybe not. But like it goes through a whole bunch of things like that. So I really think that like, which is, I mean, we're making a joke about it, but like even when you like have the best intentions, you can find yourself reaching for those phrases mm-hmm. because you want a way to be like, oh, you're fine. Yeah. Because it's also very scary watching someone go through grief mm-hmm. because you're like, um, no, like the person I know kind of feels like they're not there right now. Yeah. Like it it can cause you to feel disconnected from yourself and people notice that obviously. So like I feel like one of the things that people try to do is they're like, well, you know, like you can get past this almost reassuring themselves. Yeah. It's like a control thing because yeah. it's like you can't control that situation and you want your your friend to be happy and like not be going through this pain but it's like experience the absolutely wrong way to yeah say it. so and obviously like that person grieving like they're not going to hold that against you yeah i think that was another important kind of lesson in the book too is just like if you say something wrong it's yeah. not going to ruin your friendship or ruin that connection but but also awareness helps yeah be yeah. aware and i think this book is like a really good starting point for people who might be going through that or like mm-hmm. like I think I personally would not have been able to read it like right away oh, I'm a big believer <laughs> of like you can pick up the book when you're ready to read it yeah exactly I mean for everyone else clearly I push myself through every book that I ever <laughs> so there might be some awareness that needs to happen there but actually very recently I put down a book because I just thought I was like I can't read this right now like this yeah. is going to be detrimental to 
like honestly it was just a lot of talk about death and I was like I'm yeah just emotionally not okay with that right now yeah and so I put it back down I was very proud of that yeah good for you like I didn't even count it as a like dnf because I read like one page and I realized what what, what was going on You're in like, this book so I put it back not. on the shelf yeah and yeah so that and but, well and it's always going to be there for you like this book like I said I couldn't have read it you know eight nine years ago but it was like a perfect time for me now because I can like you can you can read it and see it and receive it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that was very <laughs> smart sounding. <laughs> we'll just pretend you said it. Yeah, <laughs> I actually just read your notes. That's yeah. What let's just re-record that. <laughs> yeah. um, anyways, what have you been reading? Well, what was your other book? The other one was Legends and Lattes by oh, yes. Travis Baldry, which you talked about on our last episode. I did. And then you were like, here, Megan, read it. <laughs> well, you were like, I <laughs> feel like I would want to read that. So as you were leaving my house, I was like, you forgot something. Yeah. <laughs> here is your it's a book <laughs> souvenir from visiting Marissa's listen, house. <laughs> listen, it really is. And I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell a little bit of a side story because I just want to say it. But. I do the Queens of Fantasy podcast, right? And I do that with Alex and Tay. And when I first met Tay, so she she doesn't live near us. So she flew up to like record the first couple of sessions also to visit because like her and Alex have been friends for years. Yeah. And to meet me. So it was kind of, you know, she was getting a lot out of the trip here. Yeah. But she walked into my house and she left with four books <laughs> she was gonna be here for like three days like i was like you they were graphic novels they were actually laura Olympus. oh yes but i was like you need to read this like mm-hmm. you, one you can read this in like one sitting like i know you said you're a slow reader but this is this is fast like you'll be fine and also you need to read this because we got into the co- topic i want to say just about like healthy representation of relationships and i was like here you go merry christmas yes. like, <laughs> and she's like okay and i was like this is the stamp of my friendship <laughs> yeah <laughs> take it <laughs> yeah, you've passed the test here is all the books if you come into my house and i try to shove a book in your hand that's yeah. secretly me being like i want to be friends yeah <laughs> <laughs> or i love you yeah <laughs> it's my love language <laughs> and you know what I am appreciative of it. Yeah, and you liked it, though, didn't you? I really did. I was very... It was very calming. Mm -hmm. It was cozy. It was... I don't know. I just... It was... What you needed. What I needed. Well, especially after, you know, (laughs) what I read before that. A little bit of trauma. A little bit of (laughs) lattes. (laughs) Yeah, it was a nice, you know, a little mix for the past couple weeks. Um, (laughs) That's how I do it. (laughs) You notice my reading history is like deep thoughtfulness, a little fun. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Back and forth. But I I honestly really enjoyed it. I think that it had the right amount of like adventure and storyline and it still kept me engaged even though it was like it was low it wasn't low stakes no but it started low stake yeah and it was cozy energy so it was really there was a lot of elements twisted into it that I thought were really great and one of the themes I just wasn't expecting in the book was the idea that you shouldn't invest all of yourself into something that you can lose. Mm-hmm. And I just like wasn't ready for You're like for that trip. I just thought I was going to read about from? an orc opening yeah. a coffee shop. <laughs> not I wasn't going to have a little therapy session. 
So that was also very nice for me. Like I liked. Yeah, I just I highly recommend. Yeah, me too. I just think like it's not what you expect. Like I wasn't expecting anything it. In it, but, but it also, still wasn't what you yeah expecting. like i don't know it was very strange anyways <laughs> so what did you can i ask what you rated it have you rated it yet i rated it 4.75 okay yeah i think i was just like i felt like there should be something a little bit more but i think that's just me yeah i from other books that i I've mean read. i have a huge review breaking down why but like i gave it 4.5 so there was definitely something like there was like i I felt like something could have been pushed a little bit further but it was so good like highly recommend still yeah so i i said this last time i'm kind of reading through the old kingdom which has been really fun i am at an i'm at an impasse and i don't know which book to read next so we'll get to that in a second (laughs) but i did finish uh sabriel or sabriel which is the first one and then i read La Reale and a porson, mm-hmm. which is like the original trilogy, right? First off, I don't think I paid enough attention to La Reale and a porson when I first read them. I know I read them. Mm-hmm. I thought something very different happened. <laughs> so I was reading it and I was like, this, this feels like I've never read it before. Mm-hmm. But also then we'd get to like a certain point. I'd be like, I remember this scene. Yeah. I don't remember anything else. (laughs) It's it's just not. Yeah, it was weird. It was really weird. So I actually think I'm going to count these as the two books that I owned that I never read before. That's fair. Because I didn't even really remember them. I also read Tao Te Ching by Lao Zi. I believe I'm pronouncing all of that correctly, but I'm. It's not your first language. (laughs) It's not my first language. Yeah. So this is a really old book. So it was published in like 400 BC, I want to say. Just like slightly old. Just, just slightly. You know, just you're like age, a little age shaming right now, Marissa. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not saying it's a bad thing. It was actually a highlight of it. So this is a Chinese classic text and foundational work of Taoism. And it's credited to the sage lousy although like that's kind of up for debate in and of itself because it's so old and it's it was really interesting so a lot of the philosophy involved in Taoism, as far as i can and i know a little bit about that in like i learned we like through i went to a catholic school so we learned about mm-hmm. other religions and this was actually one i picked to like learn more about so i knew a little bit about taoism but definitely not like a whole lot like Mm -hmm. very very foundational knowledge (laughs) for sure so and it's very different from maybe how we would think about like very like in western culture so like that was really interesting and i found myself reading kind of some of the philosophical points and i was like i don't agree with that (laughs) oh (laughs) you know it just goes so against it but i really enjoyed reading it it read much like a lot of uh philosophy that dates so far back does it read a little bit like poetry almost and that's kind of how i went into it Mm -hmm. was like i'm gonna get out of this what i would normally get out of a poetry book that's to not not to say like it's not philosophy that was just my approach to reading it i really liked it it was very short as well and Mm -hmm. it was just very it just got you thinking so i mean i think it did its job i think it's it it achieved its goal yeah i have not rated it yet and i have not rated like anything that i've read except for sabriel because that was like a very easy five (laughs) yeah (laughs) 
because let's be honest, I can't I can't rate that book lower. Even if even if I did see a glaring flaw in it, which I didn't. <laughs> but somebody could be like, there's a huge plot hole right here. And I'm like, that's fantastic. Five stars. Yes, still five stars. Yeah. It worked. So that's what I've been up to. So again, kind of all over the place, but in a good way. Mm-hmm. We like that. Mm-hmm. That's it. So I guess we should go into the topic, which we lied to everyone about last we week. did it. Or last podcast. Lie. We just... We told a truth that was true in the moment, yes. and then we found out it needed to not be true anymore. <laughs> so what happened was, what happened was, we realized that we've done this topic kind of relatively recently, at least recent enough in our memories that once you started compiling your list, you're like, this feels familiar. Yeah. <laughs> I think I've done and this And you before. texted me and said, hey, <laughs> look what we did. So we had a different topic, which was... Oh, what 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 we're doing today? No, no, no. Oh, it what, was best and worst Yeah, romances. so we had best and worst romances, but what did we actually do? Oh, originally? Yeah, it was it romances was, that make or break yes, a book, right? Yes. And it was just a lot of the same things were coming up. So we're going to put that one back in the jar, save it for let let it simmer. Yeah, let us read some more let books us, and things. Let us get a little further away so we're not thinking of the exact same answers. Mhm. But you were inspired a little bit to come up with a different topic by some not so awesome events that took place over the book industry slash book yes. talk, book Twitter, big bookstagram, book community, booktube, all of those I'm sure were involved. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know how much you want to get into like what happened. I think maybe we want to touch on it a little bit yeah. just to acknowledge it. But I. We'll say the topic we are going to be talking about, as you can see from the title of this podcast, (laughs) is, and I'm going to say relatively unproblematic authors that we think you should give a go. And I'm going to say relatively unproblematic just because, one, as far as we know, Mm -hmm. we have done a little bit of research into it, but there's not huge controversies around and or they've responded to anything that might have happened. Yeah. And also, we're not vouching for them into the future necessarily. So if you're listening to this podcast and it's been like a year or five or ten and somebody has done something that they shouldn't have, which we hope is not the case because we really do like these people and think they're good people. Yeah. But obviously that is out of our control. So please forgive us for that. Yeah. But I will uh, start. Yeah. Yeah. Go for it. (laughs) Yeah. So I thought of this topic because well one our book club we had a author yeah so we had tj clune i I can i can yeah i can roll into this one one if you want (laughs) (laughs) so tj clune as you'll know in our last podcast because i did mention kind of some of the things around him but i we talked a lot about how I just don't think TJ Klune has responded to feedback from his novels with the most amount of grace. Mm -hmm. And what I mean by grace is like, has he learned? Has he attempted to listen? Has he, you know, acknowledged maybe where he was led wrong? Mm -hmm. And the answer is no. He's kind of doubled down on, yeah, this was unfair that I had to take this out of my book. And this is unfair that people are criticizing where I got this idea from when the criticisms are very valid and everyone is going to mess up. Mm -hmm. Like 
humans are imperfect, which is ironically one of the themes of his novel. Um, so there's just that there. Yeah. <laughs> I just want to throw that out. <laughs> but we both kind of had an experience with reading TJ Klune's novel where I really liked it. And I will also recommend it to zero people. Yeah. So I wanted... I, I agree with you that I, I felt the need to talk about books that, and authors that I actually yeah. wanted to recommend. Like, I want to talk about authors who I feel like are at the end of the day trying to be yeah. or are good people. Exactly. And like, they need to be highlighted because a lot of the times these authors that aren't really great are getting all of the attention, attention, yeah. the spotlight. So another thing happened recently and... By the time this podcast released, probably about a couple weeks that it kind of all started-ish. Yeah, I saw this start on Twitter. I started to get like little tidbits of information (laughs) that a debut author was tanking other people's books by making a whole bunch of fake accounts and then also on the same accounts leaving really great reviews on so that was happening very obvious that it was this author like it's so i'm just gonna say the author's name because yeah you can go ahead it's kate corane and they she's a debuting author in 2024 and i heard about this because of ziran jay zhao yeah so ziran jay zhao also was where i heard about it Mm because i follow them on twitter and the thing that I just thought was so great is Jiren Jie Zhao the entire time was like, hey, don't make me name you. Yeah. Like, that <laughs> was the, like, please don't make me do this. You are a debut author. I think you just messed up. Yeah. I don't think you're a terrible person. I think you did a bad thing. Yeah. But I want you to learn from this and move on and still have a successful career. Yes. Fantastic. That's grace from Jiren Jie Zhao. For sure. Which is more grace than this person ended up deserving, which is why they ended up being named. Yeah. Like all of the th- the appropriate ways to handle the situation by like all the other debut authors that were affected, I think were used. But mm-hmm. unfortunately, Kate could not accept that she was in the wrong and own up to it. Mm-hmm. So Jiren J. Zhao was like, Nah, we're gonna have a four-part Instagram reel on this, which you can find on their page if you want to listen to it. If yeah. you haven't, if you don't know, much and I will about say it. what I really do respect, and I I would have respected them regardless of if they had given the grace for this person to fix their mistake outside of it. This Kate person, but. The fact that they gave them the opportunity, like more than one opportunity to just make the situation right and to deal with it between the authors that were affected Mm -hmm. really did like amp up my respect for them. Yes. Because I was like, you didn't have to do that. And a lot of people were saying that in their comments, you know, you don't have to do this, like name the name, like we want to know. Yeah. And they were like, no, like I don't want to ruin this person's career yeah before it even starts. before it even starts yeah i think they are a talented author like i don't want to do this to them but they're making it kind of hard yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
and I think that just like says a lot about Jiren as a person which like, led us to I, I feel like if I may speak for you for a second yeah. you were like how can I speak about Jiren today I just really want people to read their books and support them and follow their socials everything I learn about Jiren Zhao makes me happier as a person mm-hmm. even the way that they marketed their like new book with Yu-Gi-Oh yes. <laughs> was like just so fun and I just really love how much fun they have mm-hmm. and also the fact that they speak up on what's important and they follow through their beliefs yes. and and like, like I just really respect them and every time I see yeah. or hear something about them I feel like it goes up like it, yeah. it doesn't go down like they to me are unproblematic <laughs> that's that's I why will say they're on here. They're also a really good author. So yes, Iron Widow is a book that we've talked about. We haven't talked about it for a while, I don't think, which no. is fantastic. So we Let's can talk it. about it again. Yay. Iron Widow was such a good read in the sense that not only was it like diverse representation on many levels. You have mm-hmm. a disabled female protagonist. You have like amazing talks about gender equality, feminism, and intersectionality. Mm-hmm. You have a really well done and well thought out love triangle that is actually polyamorous and healthy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And like, where else do you find those things in a book? And beyond that, I just think the capacity that they have for writing this novel, in the sense that like the writing is really well done, the world building is really well done. The plot is really well established. I think the pacing is pretty good. Like, I had a little bit of problem with how quickly it started. Yeah. But that's 90% of my critique on a lot of books because I feel like sometimes we get going at just at the wrong speed. It's it's just in between too slow and too fast. Like, they could have went faster or they could have went slower and I yeah. would have been happy. But they took a middle road and I didn't like it. <laughs> I also thought that certain elements could have been fleshed out a little bit more. I've learned how they went about writing this book and mm-hmm. it all makes sense why that happened too. There was like a lot of not getting paid enough yeah, to actually focus Which fully intentionally I on this. I loved that they called out the publishing industry for that. <laughs> yeah, another author on my list has done that too. Yeah. <laughs> so I, yeah, I just feel like the book is great. And the author seems like a good person. And and that's why, like, I mean, I've only read one of their books so far, and I still stand by them. So yeah. I think that's that's why they that, made my list. Yeah. Ultimately. Uh I'm gonna I'm gonna go with a hot take here. So this is an author I haven't read. I think she might be on your list. Mm-hmm. So I'm just kinda snagged one from you. <laughs> so RF Kuang. Yes. Everything I've learned about RF Kuang as a human being. She's a badass. I just so RF Kuang, during the HarperCollins strike, had a book releasing. Mm-hmm. And very much at the potential detriment of her own book launch, she chose to go and stand and strike with yeah. the workers. Like she was on their picket line. She fully called out her own publisher. Yep. Supported the strikers. And all of this done by a woman who is POC as well, which 
just kind of upped the risk that, you know, the publisher might drop her or something like that, even though she's a phenomenal writer. Yeah, I just everything and and not only that, but the irony of her book being about the ill treatment of of POC writers or BIPOC yes. writers by the publishing industry. And then also her, like, every time they went to promote her book, being like, this is so ironic. Yeah. <laughs> because, like, I'm... Like, she's calling out her own publisher with the book that she's publishing and also on Twitter. Like, I just think she would really not let anyone shut her up. And I... I yes. Love that so much. And I will say this, I've not read a single book by her. <laughs> Which you I, have yellow face and I want you to read it so I can read it. Yeah, I need to read <laughs> it. After you. <laughs> but I, I've also heard that the writing is really great. Mm-hmm. And mostly from you, I'm taking mm-hmm. that that word. Although a lot of other people have said it's really good. So I just think, I think she deserves all the attention in the world. Good attention in the and world. she's like pretty... Like, she's young, in my opinion. Like, she's, like, I think 26 or 27. And I just think that what she's accomplished in her lifetime so far and how confident she is in herself and, like, Mm -hmm. you know, taking these risks, I just, like, yeah, like, again, it's that respect part of it. Like, I want to see where she goes in her career. Yeah, I want to support her. Yeah, I want to keep reading and buying her books because we need more of those authors out there. And so, like, I read the Poppy War trilogy, and mm-hmm. I am going to read everything that she, she releases. Writes, yeah. yeah. So, recommend her. Yeah. Highly recommend. I, I feel like I stole one from your list. Do you want me to go again, or do you want to go? <laughs> no, you go ahead. You do another one. All right. So, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to talk about one. I'm going to start with Chloe Gong. Okay. So, Chloe Gong... If you've listened to this podcast this year, you will know that I have decided I'm a Chloe Gong fan. If Chloe Gong has one fan, it's me. So (laughs) (laughs) Chloe Gong has done something that... So one, I haven't found any controversy on Chloe Gong. I can't really find much of anything Mm -hmm. really in that world. So in a different way than RF Kuang and Zhirinjie Zhao, Chloe Gong just seems like nothing's really hit the the problematic thing for good or bad so mm-hmm. that's says what it says i i love chloe gong strictly because she's just taking the you know fantastic works of shakespeare and making them into fantasy novels and i love that <laughs> like i love it so much it's clear as well that she's doing it with like love and respect for the work but also like, she's very unafraid to make changes to the work to make mm-hmm. it just sit better and all of that. I just love it. Immortal Longings and These Violent Delights, as well as Our Violent Ends, which is the sequel to These Violent Delights, both based off of Shakespearean novels, both fantastic. Like, her writing is so good. I love it. World building so great. And even when I'm like, "Mm, you might have taken that reference like a little bit too far. I always think it's still kind of a little bit fun. So highly recommend Chloe Gong. And, you know, you make me want to read Chloe Gong. (laughs) So that's my goal. Yeah. You know. Yeah. So if we can make someone in the podcast listening world pick up Chloe Gong. We done our job. I will say These Violent Delights is one of my favorite books. It's a five-star read for me. 
if I was to recommend anyone start with it, I would probably say go with Immortal Longings because These Violent Delights is based off of Romeo and Juliet. And if you don't really love Romeo and Juliet, I could see it like Mm. not hitting. Yep. Whereas Immortal Longings is based on Antony and Cleopatra. And that is like a lesser known William Shakespeare work. And therefore, I feel like the references, like they hit, but if they don't hit, it's okay. Yeah. Because you don't need them to hit fully or, you know, you it's fine. So, and that one had just like a really cool concept. And that's the one I'm like, Megan, read. Read. It's the Hunger Games meets fantasy meets Shakespeare. It's perfect. <laughs> it's on the TBR. I, I love just, it. I just got to get there. <laughs> So my next one, and I've mentioned her a few times, is Susan Denard. Okay. And so she's the author of the Witchland series, and the Luminaries is kind of her new newest series coming out, or the first two books are out right now. Right. And first of all, why haven't you read the Witchlands yet? Is just what I'm going to say to you. <laughs> Because this is right up your alley. Like, you're reading The Wheel of Time. I know. I'm listening to you talk about this, like, epic fantasy, high fantasy world. I wasn't expecting the call out. I feel really (laughs) attached right now. And, like, honestly, I have the luminaries. Okay, yes. But they're they're different. I know. I know. I know they're different. (laughs) Which I want you to read the luminaries, too. I really really should have asked before. I also didn't, like... (laughs) pick up in my head that the luminaries was a series so i'm avoiding starting it because i'm like you gotta wait you gotta wait i think there's three books total coming out so the yeah she's working on the third one but anyways gotta talk about the witchlands here for a second okay so and again i'm gonna call out alex i think she would really enjoy this series as well that was a that was like a little bit more of a bashful call out so i think we should do that again but with passion (laughs) alex read the witchlands there you go um anyways it's really funny too because i feel like i feel like sending alex a text read this book is usually met with great and then three days later she's like okay i have notes (laughs) so i'm expecting a response out yeah yeah um but yeah it's a very it is like a high fantasy epic world building series Mm -hmm. again it's not finished so you might want to wait till the last book comes out it should be coming out i like how you started this with why haven't you read it and then also wait (laughs) but also wait but also like you don't have to wait because i want other people to read it but it originally was an adult high fantasy book yeah. the publisher did want it into YA so a little bit of changes but which might i just say for a second this happens i think a lot more with female authors yes. than it does with male nobody is sitting there being like brandon sanderson you know what yeah you need to cut back your adult novel and make it more YA friendly yeah. I, so yeah that's I, my take on that one i love that point but I just think that if you're reading The Wheel of Time, that this is up your alley. And I okay. read it. And I think that says a lot because I personally am always like, I'm not reading a high fantasy novel that's a million books long. And you were like, except this Except one. this one. And yeah. So anyways, Susan Denard, love her as a writer. Everything I've read of hers, I've really enjoyed and like stand yeah. behind. And for the most part, like she's been very unproblematic i will say though that she did have a bit of uh, like a call out on her characters for the Witchlands. right so her two main characters one is described as east asian one is just like a white woman and their names aren't 
like related to their cultures, I guess. So, mm, for example, our main character, Sophia, her name is more of an Arabic name and she's from like a German like country. Okay. In the series. And then like our East Asian character, Isolt, her last name is like an Italian kind of esque name. So, right. a reader called this out to Susan Denard and she just handled it with a lot of grace and like she was very much like you know what I don't really have a reason for why I did this other than the fact that I was taking some advice from I think George R.R. R. Martin was just like if you want to come up with a fantasy name take a name change some some letters to it and there you go and she didn't do further research into those names to realize mm-hmm. like oh this is actually not the name that I should probably be going with for this character. Right. And and she basically said, she's like, I'm not proud of this. I wish I could go back and change this. Right. But unfortunately, these are my main character names now. And I'm, you know, two, three books in. Yeah. And I can't change that. And I just think that that's what I want to see in an author is that growth and that Cause, acceptance. Because like we said, like not all people are perfect and mm-hmm. people are going to mess up. Yeah. And I think being willing to like listen to the feedback is, I mean, focusing on not making mistakes is also very important. Yes. But acknowledging when it has happened is is pretty important too. Like obviously everyone would like, like my goal walking down the stairs is to not fall. But if I'm going to fall, I'm going to try to do it (laughs) without hurting myself. And if I do hurt myself, then I'm going to go get help immediately. (laughs) Yeah. So like, when you mess up, you you need to acknowledge it and you yeah. try to mitigate it as much as possible. But when there's been harm done, you need to address that. Yeah. like don't, I think that's fair. Yeah. Like, don't brush it under the rug. Like, I think that once you do that or try to justify what you did. Yeah. It's it it comes out as icky and I don't like it. Yeah, I don't like that. So I will say in along that realm, I would I would recommend John and Hank Green. Mm-hmm. So these are very different authors (laughs) i will say they are brothers though and i first became aware of them over 13 years ago (laughs) (laughs) which you will remember vividly because i made you watch their videos like i like sat you down and forced you to watch like seven of them which i'm sure you were like "Mm, marissa has a new hyper fixation (laughs) so they run a YouTube channel called the Vlog Brothers, which is where I found them. But they have a, a number of YouTube channels from there. You might know Hank Green from TikTok. They're both pretty big on TikTok. They also are big on other social media platforms. You might know them from there. And they both have novels out. The thing I love the most about... Well, we'll start with John Green. So John Green has written several books. And in one of his books, I believe it was Paper Towns, but I might be wrong. He uses the r word as like a slur and it's just not great Mm -hmm. he he's addressed it since and he's like hey i'm not trying to excuse it it was a little bit more common at the time that i wrote it for people to say this especially the people unfortunately i was like around Mm -hmm. i also kind of looked at it as like it made my novel feel more real that you know this is what a teenager would say And I really backed that choice at the time. I have since stopped and like it's been pointed out to me why it's wrong. And if I could go back and change it, I would. Yeah. I made the mistake. I don't stand by it anymore. Like it was not necessary to do. It's such a 
small and he not to like minimize it but it was such a small thing that he could have changed that would have made such a big difference and he's like I just really wish like my younger self had just listened a little bit more yeah and I really liked that acknowledgement of like I did this I don't stand by it and I wish I could take it back but I can't and like I like it would be not be something I would do again yeah and I think like again I don't like the action but the response is at least showing a willingness to like learn and move forward and listen yeah which I like John and Hank Green both (laughs) (laughs) just seem like great people too yeah so both of them they they have this like desire obsession addiction whatever you want to call it with starting new projects and they both have made quite a bit of money off of being famous on the internet and also john green's one book uh the fault in our stars got made into a movie and he got paid pretty lucratively from that and he's been pretty blunt about that Mm -hmm. being a very lucrative thing and so neither of them need to make like a lot more money yeah so every time they start a new project mostly recently so they have like the awesome socks and they have awesome coffee and which are just subscription programs that you can like get coffee and socks sent to your house because that's awesome (laughs) and the 100% of the profits go to charity like that's it they they're literally running it so that they can do this thing and every cent they make over what they need to like do to pay for the expenses mm-hmm. and, you know, people working for them and all that good stuff goes to charity. John Green is like a huge advocate of trying to help tuberculosis yeah. not be like the leading cause of death. <laughs> yeah. In many nations, he is very aggressive. He has like a little bit of a, I want to call it a cult following in almost the greatest way that go after huge, huge companies. Mm-hmm to help reduce the cost of tuberculosis medicine and treatment so that it can be actually treated in third world countries at a much lower cost so people can actually survive this very survivable thing Mm -hmm. if it's caught and treated in time. And like Hank Green very recently also found this like mobile game. (laughs) He was like, I like this game. I'm going to invest like this much like can i buy 30 percent of this company to give you the funds to keep making this and make it even better because i think it could be awesome and every cent that i would make off of that 30 percent like shareholder that i have ownership of it that i have is going to go to charity Mm -hmm. so like i just i love and they mess up lots like they they usually end up apologizing on Twitter. I've followed a couple of their things where they're like, wow, I spoke that too quickly. Like, I need to take that back. They're pretty good at listening when people have called them out about that. And I just think they're doing so much mm-hmm. to try to make the world a better place, which sound like a nerd. They used to talk about on their Vlogbrothers channel. <laughs> and they said their goal in life was to decrease world suck. Yeah which is a dorky way of saying it. Absolutely. Do I say it in my head? Absolutely. (laughs) But I just love that they have the follow through. Like that was years ago before they were huge. And, you know, they both worked like full time jobs and stuff like that. And now they don't. They well, they do, but they it's like all online stuff. Mm -hmm. And I really love that they put their money where their mouth was. Like as soon as they started making enough money and they're like, you know, we kind of have enough. Like I'm doing fine. Like, I'm saving. I got 
stuff away from yeah. my kids. Like I'm good. They just started making things to donate to charity. And then like, how awesome is that? It Yeah. It just shows like how like ungreedy they are. Like they, yeah. they genuinely care about other humans. And like, I feel like I know more about them as who they are as like people than their actual, like who they are as writers. Yeah. And I will say this is a book podcast, so I should probably talk about their books. Yeah. Hank Green writes sci-fi and John Green writes contemporary fiction, mostly young adult fiction. But he also has written a nonfiction book called The Anthropocene Reviewed. I, Hank Green is a great author. Mm -hmm. I have fun reading his two books. I think they have great messages in them. I love the characters, yada, yada, yada. John Green speaks to me on like a soul level. (laughs) Like I... Every time I read a John Green book, the way the prose is written, like I melt, mm-hmm. like I, it it fills me up. Like it is it is so good for me. And I know not everyone has that take on his writing, but I love his writing. I love the way he writes. Mm-hmm. So I really stand by them as authors as well. And they seem like really good people. So if there's people I'm going to support, it's going to be them. Yeah. Love that. Mm. Right. My last one here. And you probably have them on your list or maybe, but Garth Nix. I do have Garth <laughs> Nix. I have Garth Nix because I'm rereading the series. I just think if someone's going to ask for a recommendation from me, it's going to be a Garth Nix book. I will say like I, there is, there, well, there's four men. <laughs> I trust to write women <laughs> off the top of my head. And one of them is Garth Nix. Yeah. The other is Hank Green. I would trust John Green with it. And my fourth one is my fourth, rec- my last recommendation, which is Brandon Sanderson, mm-hmm. who I do want to talk about in a second. But Garth Nix, listen, there's a detail in Sabrielle that I forgot about, mm-hmm. which is that he includes that <laughs> she goes into death to talk to her guide, who is essentially in the form of her, a loose form of her mother, mm-hmm. who she never met. And she's only done it once alone. And that was when she got her period Mm -hmm. as a young girl. And she lives at a boarding school. And I just remember sitting there like recently when I reread it and I was like, one, this detail totally missed as a child. Yeah. Or forgot about. Two, this was written by a man. (laughs) (laughs) And I was like, if there was any reason, like, I just like I he was like he sat there and he was like, I I need a reason for her to go into death Mm -hmm. to talk to her mom. And, like, I, I kind of love that the thoughtfulness was, like, that's probably a moment where you kind of just want your mom. Yeah. And I was, like, thinking, I was, like, yeah, like, in my personal experience, like, as cringy as that conversation was with my mom, I can't imagine having to have it with someone else. Mm-hmm. That would have been terrible. Yeah. And I just loved that, like, and it was just said, like, it was no big deal. And I just, I was, like, this was a dude. <laughs> yeah, this is, a, like, I remember reading it and being, like, this is a male author like are just, we sure are we sure because he understands is this a pen name a little bit too well but i just first of all his writing his books amazing they're great they're fabulous and they are really about that gender equality in all these worlds no matter how like fantastical they are he won't stray from like he's been called out for like women can't be medieval knights like from men obviously are like commenting these about his books and he's straight up like like he realizes that he has this male privilege of like he's only had a few 
But if he was a woman author, oh, there would be way more. Way more. So, like, I just appreciate that he's that self-aware and, like, yeah, like, just so supportive of women and, like, wants to write these great stories. And I will say, the thing that I love about these stories, and this is something in reading it con- with in conjunction with Robert Jordan, I've said it a couple times, I don't know why, like, there's, like, this male fantasy writer thing where they're like, oh, I just want it to feel real. And that's why there's like violence and sexism and all this stuff. And I'm like, you created a whole new world. Mm -hmm. And you were like, I can't imagine it without sexism. And Garth Nix said, hold my beer. Yeah. I (laughs) want to make this world like nobody bats an eye that Sabriel is the next next abhorson which is a very like powerful title and that she's a woman there's been women like it's just not an issue Mm -hmm. the fact that like even in the most recent one i finished which was abhorson at one point one of the people's like jacket got torn and this is just such a small detail but i just noticed it because i was like a lot of male authors would have had the woman like be like oh i can fix that for you and then he was like ah i'm gonna have to mend this and she's like yeah you're gonna have to do that and there was like (laughs) and i was like I just love that, like, the men are doing, like, their own, like, care tasks. Yeah. Why is that such a low bar? I don't know. Well, I do know. But, (laughs) you know, like, it's like, I shouldn't be shocked about that. But Mm -hmm. I was, like, actually shocked that he... And it's just, like, it is that small detail that you aren't expecting. Because Because the small details are the hardest. Yeah. Because those are where the the sexism and the misogyny are so ingrained. Mm -hmm. And you don't think about it. And they don't realize that it's sexist or misogynistic and it's a small thing usually we can ignore but i was like even that he was like and i wonder if in one edition of the book he he did have it the other way and he was like whoa wait like what did i do like you know because there's so many examples where i was like this just feels like he went into it reread it a million times and said how like how can i make this more respectful how can i show more respect towards the female characters like i i like it feels really intentional yeah I love him. I more people need to read Garth Nix. Yeah, it's true. And I'm gonna give a shout out to Brandon Sanderson, who does not need my help to get more people to read <laughs> <Yeah>. his books. <laughs> so Brandon Sanderson, I want to say, and the reason he's on my list is, and I'm gonna say this all very quickly because I don't want to sound like I'm judging someone's religion, but he is Mormon, and the surprising thing about him being Mormon is his takes on more liberal ideas. So he is like very pro LGBTQ, which is very against the Mormon theology. Uh, The Mormon theology also has like many racist components, and I won't get into those. But there's there's good reason to, you know, you would maybe be uncomfortable with somebody calling themselves Mormon and reading the Book of Mormon and not questioning Mm -hmm. some of those deeper like racist, sexist, homophobic parts of that religion. And Sanderson has been pretty vocal about the fact that like the reason he's still a part of the Church of Latter-day Saints, which is the Mormon Church, is because he believes that he can't expect that religion to ever change if people aren't inside trying to affect the change. Mm -hmm. And he knows there's a lot of problematic aspects of how the religion can be practiced. Mm And so I really like that he seems so aware that that background leaves him open to such an ignorant take on certain things. And I was reading through an AMA he did on Reddit where he was talking even about, you know, like, I know 
when I first started writing, I I was completely ignorant of these issues. And I've actively tried to keep learning because I have so much to learn. And I just love that awareness. We can't choose how we're raised and where we come from. There's some ideologies that get, you know, kind of tossed around that you then have to question as you get older. And you have to do that questioning. That's part yeah. of being an adult. And I just love that he's like, hey, this is problematic. I don't know enough about it. I need to learn more about it. I am constantly learning more about this. And every time it seems like somebody calls out his books for something, he's like, hmm, let me think about that. Like, let me listen. Let me learn. Let me think about how I actually want to represent it. You know what? I actually didn't do a great job of it. Okay, I'm going to do a better job moving forward. So like the more he writes, the more he learns, the better his books are going to get. And I just love that. Again, he doesn't need my help getting people to read his books. But I do think if there's one person who is going to take that conversation on, and I, I feel like you could call out his books for something, and if it's if it's there and it's valid, he's going to sit there and go, okay, like I actually kind of want to sit with this and listen, and I trust him to do that work. Yeah. So I, I had him on the list as well. I think I haven't read some of his earlier work, so there might be some more stuff that I would find problematic in his earlier work. Right now, I I have read half of the Stormlight Archive series, and I will say, like, the way he even writes about women, I just, oh, I'm just <laughs> in love with. <laughs> like, I, it's very rare that a male author can make me feel good about a romance story, but he, like, it just feels like he does it so respectfully. Mm-hmm. And his female characters are dynamic as well as being strong. They're not, you know, the same strong archetype. They have different features. Like, they don't seem like the same person. They're, yeah, I just really, I really do like him. Love that. I probably won't read the Stormlight Archives, but I... It's not for you. That little story was not for Megan. But maybe (laughs) someday in the future, I'll read a Brandon Sanderson something. Yeah. Something. You might like Yumi, Yumi and the Nightmare Painter. Like, that would be one that I would hand you. Yeah. And there's some references to some of his other works in the book, but I know you can just be like, eh, not for me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so that's, that's good. I enjoyed this topic. You know, that was fun. I like that we got to shout out our fave authors and also... Just talk about them as people, too. Like, I think that we don't do that a lot. So, I mean, anytime I can talk about John and Hank Green and Jiren Chao, actually. (laughs) (laughs) And also R.F. Kuang. Like, I I haven't read a single book by her, but she's already my fave. Like, come on. Which says a lot. Like, that says a lot about her. I'm going to read her and I'm going to be like, I don't like how she writes. (laughs) I'm kidding. I'm probably going to love it. (laughs) I think you'll you'll love her writing. There is that risk, though, for sure. But like I even if I didn't like her writing, I think I would still be like, give her a try. Like other people really like her, too. And I think that that says something in and of itself. Anyway, I feel like we're circling again or rather I am. You're like, let's restart. Let's actually just restart the podcast. And do it Another hour. Let's go. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so I do want to move forward to what we are currently reading Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. i'm currently reading bright young women by i want to say jessica canol null k-n-o-l-l i would say null null just a silent k silent k and this is a novel that i was actually learned about through another podcast my favorite murder <gasps> you listen to other podcasts. i know i'm kidding that's betrayal a good thing. that's a <laughs> no. good thing yeah 
And yeah, so it's about, it's like a fiction, true crime-esque novel about the women that I want to say like survived or were kind of affected by Ted Bundy. Okay. And how, and focusing on them as like humans and that they, what they've achieved in their life and kind of what, how they handled the situation. I like that take. Yeah. Which it's been like, I'm not very far, but I love like, it makes me uncomfortable in like a good way that I'm like, I'm learning this aspect of the situation that I only know from the serial killer's side. Which is so messed up. Which is messed up. Like here, like what about these extraordinary women who survived this tragic event and lost, you know, their friends? Mm -hmm. And let's see what they become. Let's see how they, you know, are like, why aren't they represented in these like, you know, news articles and all these other true crime documents? Like, it's just been really interesting so far so i i like that i really like that it's just a different it's just different it's just a different it's way different. to go about it and i feel like that's way more respectful than like a respectful way i don't know i feel like the victims of a lot of serial killers don't get a lot of respect yeah even their families like i know several of them have come out and you know been upset when like documentaries drop and stuff like that because their families kind of have to like yeah. relive the trauma yeah and i i really like the idea that instead of you know purely focusing on the trauma it's like the recovery yes the the moving forward the like the healing mm-hmm. and also just like everything that doesn't have to do with the trauma <laughs> yeah like it just shows them as like they people are people and this yeah. is their story yeah i like that a lot yeah i'm i'm really curious to hear more about yeah, that i'm excited to obviously read it so with my reading it's a little less serious but i do have <laughs> i do have a problem with it so as i said i'm reading garth nix the old kingdom and i originally when i started i was like oh should i read it chronologically like what's the best way to do this and then i decided to go publishing order but then i realized that so Golden Hand continues like the Lyriel, Lyriel storyline. Yeah. And Clariel is like a prequel to everything, kind of. Yes. And so I don't know which one to read first. I feel like it should be Golden Hand. I have an opinion. Okay. I think you should read Clariel. Dang, I was really scared <laughs> you were going to say that. And the reason is because it ties really well into the first three I didn't three want you to say that though. I know. And and you know what? I'm saying this because Susan Denard does the same thing. Her first, she has three books and then yeah. she does like a prequel and then she goes on in the series and she really believes that, and it was a novella that this prequel was. So a lot of people didn't end up reading it, but she is like, there's so much in that novella that just help with the continuance of the story that she wishes more people okay. read it. So I'm coming from that angle. I haven't read The Golden Hand. I've only read Clarial, like up okay. to Clarial. So I can't, I don't necessarily know if that's a yeah, better choice. Okay. But from what I remember of Clarial, it's worth it to To take it. that little stop. Okay. Yeah. Then I will be reading Clarial. <laughs> much to my chagrin. <laughs> I think you'll, you'll like it. I probably will. It'll be fine. But my biggest issue when, with when I tried to read it 
many years ago was I was like, I forgot everything I knew about the Old Kingdom, which apparently I had only paid attention in Sabriel. I mean, that's what happens when you don't know what you read in the second or third book. You're going to forget. Yeah, I was like, I don't a lot of things. I don't get any of this. (laughs) I don't know who any of these people are. I think you'll really appreciate it. Like, I probably will. Like, it'll be like, oh, like, this isn't Sabriel. Like, this kind of sucks. That's how I felt when I first started yeah. reading it. But then once I got into the book and the story. It's mostly like the cliffhanger at the end of Abhorson. Yeah. Where, which, wild, he didn't finish for, because that was released in 2003. And Golden Hand didn't come out till like 2017, 2018. Was it that recent? Yeah. Wow. That's a long, that's, yeah, I need to get back and read that. Yeah, Golden Hand was published in 2016. Clariel was published, I want to say, 2014. Ah, right, 2014. And then Terciel and Eleanor, which is the most recent one, was published in 2021. And that is, like, Sabriel's parents. So he's done it again. I'm hoping Golden Hand actually, like, wraps up the series. Yeah. But, or at least Lyriel's kind of story but yeah like at the end of the abhorsen there's, there's just nick just hanging out just hanging out what is he gonna do i don't know i have to wait a whole book you you'll appreciate because i it, know I will. it's it's like there's some backstory there too so you'll yeah. love it yeah you'll love it okay well shall we we don't have to draw our next topic do you want to just reveal it <laughs> yeah okay so our next topic is going to be us wrapping up the year. So we're going to talk a little bit about books that we enjoyed, a little bit about books that we didn't, which <laughs> I don't know. I have fun doing both sometimes and I don't have fun doing the second one sometimes. So yeah. we'll see how that goes. <laughs> I don't know. Did you read a lot of bad books this year? I read a few. Yeah, I, I have a few that I'm thinking of too. But anyway, this is a next yeah. podcast topic. Yeah. But we'll be kind of recapping this is going to come out a couple days before the end of the year, so there might be some that we mostly me read between, mm-hmm. you know, December twenty eighth and December thirty first. <laughs> but we thought that was a pretty good lead way. Yeah, and so that's what you can look forward to next time. And then in the new year, we'll be doing our New Year's resolutions. Yay! Which I can already tell you, I didn't make this year's. But we'll get to that next week. (laughs) We'll talk about that next time. All right. And that brings us to the end of this podcast. Thank you so much for listening. As always, if you want to find us on Instagram, you can find us at the book jar pod there. We also have a Discord server where we talk about books. We talk about our book club, the 2AM book club. We also talk about our sister podcast and have channels dedicated to our sister podcast, The Queens of Fantasy Pod, which is a podcast where we are reading currently The Wheel of Time by Robert Jordan. I almost said his name wrong. And but we will be focusing on reading fantasy series alongside readers and deeply analyzing them. So that's very fun as well. And you can find a link to the Discord server in the description of this podcast. Otherwise, if you liked what you heard and you want to recommend us to other people, we would highly appreciate you leaving a review. Um, Just leaving one or even writing one, either is great and we appreciate both. And lastly, that's it. Thanks again, I guess. And yeah, keep on reading on as as one does say. As, yep. (laughs) I I don't know what 
what else to add to that, but it's no banjo. I've had to retire the banjo. <laughs> All right. Well, with that, we will say goodbye. Bye. That might have been the most awkward thing <laughs> I think we've ever done. I just like never know what to say at the I end. I know. I'm always, and I, I don't know why I did it. I never look at you because I know you're never going to jump in. And this time I looked at you and I stopped talking. And I, I was, was like, gonna say something. do you want just... to say something like you've ever done that I've before? Never done I'm that. so sorry. Like that was all me. I was I like, speak, Megan. I was like, do you want me to say the geek to the people? reading on. I don't know. It was like, you know, like the the saying, like like a deer in the headlights. Like, yeah. no, you were already hit by the car. Like, yeah, that you, was like me. I didn't get to see your eyes before I absolutely just plowed you down. Like, you're putting a lot of pressure on me. No, she was like, actually, I'm never coming back here. Yeah, you're like, don't bring up the banjo. I'm just kidding, but the banjo had to go. The banjo had to go. What happened to the banjo? I just felt a little embarrassed. Um. <laughs> why and you know it was in the moment it felt right but all right everybody start a petition <laughs> to bring back Megan's banjo in the moment it felt right but not right now not right now it can be forced yeah exactly it can be called you it has to it has to call to you yeah. you can't call to it exactly all right makes sense anyway <laughs> I'm just suggesting hi <laughs> <laughs> Don't know that song, hey? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I don't know.